Hello, everyone. Uh, if you would like to turn into your Bibles, if you've got one, if not, uh, or on your phones or whatever you do, um, and turn to Mark chapter 2. Um, lovely to see you, especially welcome if you're visiting, um, and just to make a special welcome to Pete and Ruth. Um, I said to Peter, if you don't know, Peter and Ruth is Sarah's mum and dad. I said to Peter, why didn't you tell me you were coming? Otherwise, he, I would have him up here speaking. So it's lovely to see them, and uh, especially if you're, this is your first time, you are welcome. Um, so I want to just share something that the Lord laid on my heart, really, for us. Um, and just there is a continuation from the last time that I spoke. And my title this morning is The Helpless, the Helpers, and the Hecklers Meet the Healer. So I'll say that again. Uh, the helpless, the helpers, and the hecklers meet the healer. And, um, uh, and as, as we go through this story, I'll read it in a minute. Um, it just, when I was preparing, it reminded me of the days back when you was in primary school, because I never did this in secondary school, where you, you, you did like a school play, and then you, you want to get like a pretty good role, and then they give out the scripts, you know, because they didn't, in my school, they didn't do any kind of, what's it called, auditions and things like that. You know, you just got given, you know, and if, and so you, you look through and you think, you know, I want to get the, you know, in this, I want to get Jesus' part. That's like top, you know, and then you get there and you think, oh, I'm, you know, villager number one standing at back with face to wall. And uh, you think, oh, okay, fair, you know. Um, so in this story, I, there's, there are different characters. Um, there's the, the helpless the hearers, uh, the helpers, the hecklers, um, and the healer. Now, none of us here will be the healer, so that one's out because that's Jesus. Um, but in this story, there are these others. And I want to ask you as we go through this, who are you in the story? Because who you are will depend on how you respond. So um, let's read it. Um, it's, uh, as I said, Mark chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. And when he returned, this is Jesus, to Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home, and many were gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door. And he was preaching the word to them. And they came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay, and when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there, questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately Jesus, perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, Why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed, went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Amen. So we see this wonderful story, and many of us might remember this from Sunday school, from times past. And um, so we find Jesus, says that he's at home, probably Peter's home, it's probably he was his 
base of uh, operations. Um, you might remember when Jesus said to, someone said, Jesus, I'll follow you everywhere. He says, um, I've got nowhere to lay my head, as the short version of what his reply was. Um, so he probably was at Peter's home. And um, he's there preaching the word. And if there's anything that comes from preaching the word, and I think, you know, just to sort of reiterate these things, the more we preach the word, or in the context of preaching the word, it sets the atmosphere for miracles. So as a church, we want to preach the word week in, week out. On a Wednesday, every other, the word of God, keeping the word in our hearts, being devoted to the word as I spoke last time and, and things like that because it creates the atmosphere or the, or the context or the situation for miracles. And this is what we was doing, just preaching the word, sitting there. And then we see, and I, and I tell you why I believe that, just so you know, I'm not, just not off the cuff remark. I was thinking about Romans chapter 10, verse 17. Some of you might know this. It says, faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith is what brings that spark of belief, isn't it? You know, how are they going to know unless someone goes? Is that Romans 10? You can look into that. We need to preach the word. We need to get the gospel out. We need to get the word of God um, continuously in our lives and through our lives. And, and so um, you can listen to my last talk if you want to go into that. But um, anyway, so we come to this place and it's packed solid and there's a whole crowd all around. It's packed. There's, they're all at the door. Um, and I remember many years ago, this is what my mind goes to, when the church started in my home, uh, my dad, um, well, it's my mum and dad's house, and I just remember them saying, people were sitting on the stairs, going up the stairs. Does anyone remember those days? Um, and uh, it's, it's that kind of thing, up the stairs and out the window and, you know, peering in and packed door, and, they, and they, these four men turn up, and there's just a crowd, and these are the hearers. Okay, so the hearers of those people, they turn up, they're, they're there maybe often, um, and the, the Bible talks about hearers as being, don't be a hearer, be a doer. Or don't be hearers only, be doers of the word. In other words, they're, they're, we can turn up and we can hear these messages. Oh, that's great, John. It's really good what you said this morning, but there's been no engagement with the word. You know, there's just been, you know, it's really interesting. I've done my bit every week. I've turned up, and it's lovely to turn up, and I've heard it, but nothing's happening. And, I, and we don't know, you know, how many of these. What we know is at the end there, it says, doesn't it, and they were all uh, amazed and glorified God, saying, we've never saw anything like this. And maybe they turned up, they heard Jesus was somewhere else, they went out to that one, and they went, wow, look, he's meeting in this church. Let's go to that church. Wow, it was amazing. Lots of people there and, and Jesus did this. And they thought, where is he next? Let's go to the next one. And they're hearing and their ears are being tickled and they're enjoying the environment. But all they're ever doing is just listening. Nothing's changing in their life. They're not responding to the word. And so, there's, you know, that's the first character. I, I don't know. But there's, there's a, such a difference between the hearer and the helpless. See, the, the helpless comes out of a desperation. I need God. And I think, you know, God forbid that I ever get to a point where I feel like I don't need God. Because we all need God. It doesn't matter where we're at in our maturity. I think the, 
The more mature you get in the Lord, the more you realize how much you need the Lord, don't you? So there's a difference here between the hearer and the helpless. We're not just here to hear the message. So if you're a hearer this morning, maybe to challenge you, don't just let this word sit, be good, and by the time you walk out the door, it's been left behind. It's lovely to see everyone here, but we want more than that, don't we? So there's the hearer. And then we see um, these four guys come with this paralytics, um, and they just can't get in. There's just no way they can get in. And they're carrying this guy who is helpless. And, and again, let's use our imagination. It doesn't say anything about him. It doesn't say why or how he got into that state. But nevertheless, he was, maybe he was at home. He can't move. He has someone to help him. Clearly, he has at least four friends. He has to have everything done. And then this story, because this is very early on in Jesus' ministry, they hear about this man, Jesus. I heard what he did when he delivered the, uh, the, the it just earlier on in Mark, where he heals the man with the unclean spirit. And then he goes on, it says that he heals many, um, including Peter's or Simon, his mother-in-law. And he's heard these stories. He's like, I just need, I need to get to that man. Um, and so I don't know whether it started with him, or we don't know whether his friends came to him and said, let's just say his name's Nigel, because there's no one here called Nigel. It's like, Nigel, you need to get to that man. Look, we will, we will get you. We'll make up, we'll just literally take your bed. We'll make up a, one of those uh, what, stretchers, and we'll carry you there. You know, are you in? Are you up for this? And again, we don't know whether he was reluctant or what, but I'm, assu- I'm going to assume that he was like, yes, I will do anything. Just get me to the feet of Jesus. And so, you know, the the, the blessing this man had is that he had friends. We'll get to them in a minute, the helpers. But he was willing to be helped. He knew his need and he wanted help. You know, it's amazing how it's not uncommon to meet people who have a need but they do not want help. And often I think the root is in pride or it's in finding a comfort in their infirmity. It's become their It's become their protection mechanism. Um, But they're still helpless, and we're all helpless at the end of the day. And there are many people who cannot get to Jesus on their own. Um, At MLG, I was chatting to, um, what was his name, the speaker? Fallon, Jimmy, Jim, Jay, Jay, Jay Fallon. And he just said, he said, he said, People are dead. The gospel is life. We need to take the life, the light to the dead and to the darkness. He was saying to me. It's like, how can a dead man help themselves? How can a dead woman drag themselves up and make their way to Jesus if they're truly dead? You know, the helpless need helpers. And if there's any helpers, surely they must be found in the church to help people. You know, we're... If you think about it, I, I mean, I know for me, as a matter of fact, and I would say, for, if you're a believer here, every single one here, if you know the Lord, you didn't get there on your own. Someone prayed for you. Someone encouraged you. Someone shared with you the gospel. Someone, or maybe some of you, like me, had godly parents, or maybe some of you got godly grandparents, whatever. 
but someone did something to help you along the way. You know, we need to be helpers, don't we? Um, youth leaders or Sunday school teachers ultimately says that no one can come to the Father unless the Father draws them. So we all know we need help getting there. Um, and the Lord employs us to help people. And I think primarily we help people through prayer, don't we? We pray for them. Lord, open their eyes. Unblock their ears to hear. Will you soften their hearts? Will you, will you stop them in their tracks? They're going down a bad, you know, bad way. Or we're sharing our stories, our testimonies. We're sharing the good news. As Nikki was telling me this morning, bumping into someone and just was able to share the good news. That could have radically changed that man. That man needed help, didn't he, Nikki? He needed help. And the Lord put him... Um, this gentle lady in the way. You know, are you a helper? Or will you be a helper if you're not a helper? You know, is there someone you know who does not know Jesus? I've got this app on my phone now because I'm like, do you know what? I'm going to commit to praying, I think it's at least six out of the seven days, for people that the Lord has laid on my heart that they might know Jesus. And I've got an app. There's an app. It's just a prayer. And every day you open it up because you put the information in. I can show you it later if you're interested. And it just, every day you open it up, it just tells you, pray for them. And it's like, I can go at any point to the feet of Jesus. I can walk to that place. The crowd will part and I can go straight in. They can't. But I can carry, I can go in and I can lay if like sit at the feet of Jesus and say, Lord, just bring this person, I bring this person. Lord, can you do this with this person? You know. And I can do that every morning. It can take 20 minutes or it can take five minutes, depending on how long your list is, whatever. But we can do that. We can be helpers. There are people who are sick, people under the power of addiction. They all need help. And Jesus came to raise the dead, didn't he? So we're taking them to the right place. And this is what these helpers did. There was this man, he was helpless, he couldn't do anything. He knew, I believe, you know, I'm putting that in there, he doesn't say, but he knew of his helpless state. And these helpers came along and they saw the need and they got involved. And um, <clears throat> they had faith. They got there and they thought, oh, I'm sorry, Nice, no, there's just no way in. Um, and maybe they tried to push their way in, but people weren't having it, you know? There was no incredibly organized queue, um, no wristbands, you know, no toilet breaks. They got there, and, they, and, and this is what Spurgeon calls this. He says, he said, they had faith, and faith is full of inventions. Full of inventions. We can't get through the door. We can't fit you through the window. There's stairs in, the, in those days. They have outdoor stairs that went up into the roof and the roof was made of slats and mud and things like this. And they said, there's only one way. We're going to get you in there. We're going to get up on that roof. They tore a hole in that roof and they lowered him down. They, they, were, they believed and it, it fueled their in, invention. It fueled the fact that all the most normal ways in which we do things, um, they said, there's nothing out of all the options we've ever seen before. We're going to need to create a new option. We, need, we know that that's the answer. This man needs Jesus. There's none of the options are available. We need to do something that no one's ever done before. We would go to someone else's house and basically rip a hole in their roof. 
And you can imagine, like, they got up there, and then you're sitting there, you're thinking, this is fantastic, I've got a front row seat, I'm just a hearer to listen to Jesus. I'm sitting, you're listening to the word, and then it's like things are falling on your head. Peter's mother-in-law is there thinking, oh, how on earth am I going to clean this up? You know, who on earth is messing up my house? But they did it. And maybe we need to be uh, helpful friends with inventive faith, you know? Maybe they upset a lot of people along the way. I don't know. But it was there. Jesus said, um, doesn't he? He says, he saw their faith. Now, we don't know who there is, do we? They didn't, they didn't say, and he saw his face, face, faith. They saw their faith. Now, I'm including the paralytic in that. For, and I'll tell you about that in a bit. But he saw their faith. And then we see a bit later on, he's healed. But we're going to get there. And so I think, you know, here's, are you a helper? Are you a committed helper? You've got neighbors, you've got friends. And maybe we need to help people along the way. And it may be that that help has different forms, but nevertheless, it's the heart is there. I want to help people find Jesus. And so they, find, they bring him, lay him at the feet of the healer. And Jesus seeing him says, Son, your sins are forgiven. And now this is where this play has a little twist. Uh, we weren't expecting this. Hold on a minute. I brought this man. We ripped open the roof that you may heal him. And yet you say your sins are forgiven. Have we made a mistake? Has something gone all terribly wrong? And um, we see here in this, you can imagine the stir amongst the hearers. The helpers are confused. The helpless is sitting there listening to this. And, um, and maybe we, we see why in a minute. But they also had these scribes, and Luke says Pharisees, sitting judging his words. And it says... Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they questioned within themselves. So Jesus knowing the hearts of those in the room. He sees our physical difficulties, but he sees our spiritual need, doesn't he? He knows what you're thinking right now. I don't, but if Jesus was here to speak, the, you know, standing here in my place, he would know exactly what you're thinking. Yeah? Yeah, Betty, I know what you're thinking. Can you imagine? Um, but he looked at this paralytic. He saw that he was a paralytic. And he said, your sins are forgiven you. See, sometimes I think what happened was, this is what I want to make a suggestion. I don't think it's completely out there, but I would like to think that the paralytic came into the presence of Jesus. And straight away, he knew his inner need. And I think when people come into the presence of Jesus, things start moving inside us, don't they? I know that as a fact for me. We start to feel moved, challenged. We feel the sense of God's love or his conviction of the Spirit. And he came at the feet of Jesus. And in his heart, the paralytic knew I need my sins forgiven. And again, he didn't say it, but I think that he desired it. Because Jesus says, your sins are forgiven you. 
and, and there's this big kind of big question. Well, does God, does Jesus forgive sin? Does God forgive sin where there is no repentance? So Peter's preaching his first sermon, and it says they are cut to the heart, the people, this is Acts chapter 2, and, and, uh, and they say, what should we do? And he says, repent, be baptized um, in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the promise, the Holy Spirit. Repent, and you will be forgiven. But we don't hear anything about repentance from this man. So does Jesus just forgive people, whoever he wants, and there doesn't have to be any repentance? Well, that's a, a big leap. And, you know, I'm not going to go into this now, but elsewhere you see that actually there, there needs to be an element of repentance. John the Baptist, the first thing he preached in preparation for Jesus' coming was repent. You know, even Jesus preached that, repent. And so there's this turning away from our old, um, our old way. But this repentance isn't one where God is saying, Look, listen, you need to repent. I want to see it. I want to see you repenting on your knees every day for 20 days, and then I'll see if you're serious. I want you to climb the biggest mountain to prove to me that you are done with your sinful ways. Or I want you to stand out on the street and declare all of your sin to everyone, and then I know that you mean business. No, in here, something, and this is what I, I think happens, I'd like to think happened. Something in his heart when I need Jesus, and in an instant, the grace of God was activated, and he forgave him. And Tim Keller says, Jesus is aggressive with his grace. Loved it. Love it, love it. Aggressive with his grace. Like, Lord, I just, you know, it's like the Lord knows what you need before you ask it, isn't it? It's like we, before we can utter the words, he hears the heart's cry and straight away, I forgive you. I don't want you to carry your burden of sin. One microsecond more. He sees it. Now, I'm, that's why I'm, what I'm saying is I think repentance was there, just hadn't even been uttered just in his heart. You know, and the hecklers are there, and they're going, and when I, I'm using hecklers, they're not being verbal in their heckling, but they're heckling in their hearts, okay? You know, I couldn't find another H, so um, I was going to pick haughty, but I don't even use that word, pride, you know? But the hecklers there, and they're going, oh, you know, the, you know uh, whatever, um, how can this man forgive sin? Only God can forgive sin. But we'll get to them in a minute. But here's the thing. Jesus says it. He's aggressive in his grace. And the most important thing is, the, most, the greatest priority, I think, that God has is your being right with him, being forgiven of sin. And I think that there could even be people in this room or there are people that are believers who are carrying burdens that are not there to carry because Jesus has forgiven them from sin. Or maybe they have sinned and they haven't, as John says, come to Jesus who is our advocate, who will forgive us. As we heard prayed earlier, get back up on your feet. Don't carry your burden of sin anymore. Jesus took that to the cross that is the most priority of, of that man's life. And nowhere in here does it say that is the root of his sickness. It doesn't say that. He wasn't saying that because in order to heal you, I need to forgive you. He's seeing that the greatest need of that man is freedom from sin, forgiveness of sin. 
We know elsewhere that where the disciples said, you know, what is it about this man? Who's sinned that they're, that they're um, what was he, blind? And, uh, and he said, uh, no one's sinned, but that God may be glorified. So we don't jump to conclusions that sickness is necessarily an outworking of sin. But in this case, Jesus said, I want you to be free from sin. And I think this is really hard to talk about because for, for, for a number of reasons, people don't really feel like they're sinners anymore because the goalposts keep shifting and changing. The, the absolute of truth is now no longer relevant anymore. It's all relative to the individual. The moral codes are all over the place. So one man's sin is another man's joy or freedom or whatever it might be. But less people believe they've done anything wrong or that I'm a product of my upbringing, I'm naturally, I'm like this, or God made me this way, I can't help how I feel, you know, I am a victim, um, you know, in this culture where we are less of the problem, um, as I said, truth. But deep down, I wonder whether actually in every heart, if people were to stop and think that they realize there's things in their hearts they're carrying, guilt, shame, all these things we've heard already that they need to be free and that's because of sin. <clears throat> so we pray for people they may be healed and we, but we pray also, God, will you, they, will you help them to know forgiveness? of sin's freedom from sin. But the hecklers are there. And they're going, oh, you know, only God can uh, forgive sins. And, um, and these scribes, they're skilled in theology. They know all their stuff. And maybe already you've, you've realized some of the intentional mistakes I've made in my quotes. I haven't. They're all unintentional. But maybe, you know, there's people, all, all they do is just judge people and criticize people and, and these scribes had heard about this man. They've come to critique him, essentially. They've come to, to just check out what's going on. And Jesus says, you know, why do you question these things in your hearts, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk, but that you may know the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. And the, the word, when he, Jesus uses the word son of man, it is a designation of the Messiah. Daniel uses this in his prophetic writing. Um, he used the title on purpose because he is declaring himself to be the Messiah. He's declaring himself to be the son of God. And he's doing it on purpose because I think, one, that's part of why he came. But secondly, because he's wanting to reveal something about God, particularly because those guys are there. I think he's, he's showing them. Jesus wasn't afraid of conflict, was he? See, there is one person who can utter these words, and it's God himself, because um, when you think about this, if you sin against me, I can forgive you. But every sin is against God. So the sins that we do are all against God. So I can't forgive your sin against God. Only God can forgive your sin. And is it easier to say your sins are forgiven you? Some things, when they're said, they have to be backed up with practicalities, haven't they? It's easy to say, you know, I forgive you. But you've got to back that up with the ability to forgive. And when Jesus says, I forgive you, he backs it up with the, with the ability to forgive. 
And he heals the, he heals them as, uh, the, the guy as well. And everyone goes praising the Lord. Take up your bed and walk. And he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So I want to ask you, who are you in the story? Are you the helpless? Are you the hero? Are you the heckler? Or are you the helper? Or who do you want to be in the story? And you can't use to choose Jesus. See, the helpless. Um, as I said earlier, Jesus came and he said, or uh, Peter came in Acts 2 and he says, repent and be baptized, each one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You know, we come in order to be changed. Lord, I'm coming because I know my need of you. I need God. <laughs> or maybe you've known the Lord and, you know, you've fallen into sin and, um, and Jesus comes and he reaches out his hand and he says, come on. Let me lift you out of the muck and the clay or the dirt that you're wandering around and you don't need to be there. I've paid the price. I've done the work. Come on. Are you willing to be free? See, this man was willing. And uh, then we got the helpers. And just remind you things. Maybe God is calling you to be a helper for the helpers. I think we all are. Um, in, in prayer, bringing people, as I said before, but, you know, that we have access to the feet of Jesus. We can bring people daily in prayer. Or maybe it's more invitational. It's inviting people to spend time with you that you may share your life or invite into the church, into a meeting or into a community group or where you're basically, you're helping people come to Jesus. Well, however way that works out practically. Or the hearer, you know, as I said earlier, are we just, you're just gonna hear this and, you know, it's gonna fall out the other ear by the end of the time. Don't move too swiftly or you lose it. Don't get distracted because, you know, suddenly it's gone. Or maybe you can go away and you think, Lord, who am I in here? Am I just a hearer turning up week in, week out? Nothing changes. Am I really coming with an open heart and saying, Lord, uh, this week I need you to minister to me, to change me, to make me more like you? Or are you the heckler? I don't think there's any hecklers here, but... Uh, I want to re that Spurgeon, when he, he wrote about this, he said he, his, his sermon's called Sitting By, because in, in the authorized version it says, and there were scribes sitting by. You know, they're just sitting there, like, imagine where V's sitting. On the, on the side, just, just there for, out of curiosity, really. Um, and he says this, first they, they were indulging their curiosity. They came out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem and heard about the great fame and they were curious but not anxious. As a rule, very little comes of this kind of attendance at places of worship. Persons on the Sunday, they go to St. Paul's, to Westminster Abbey, to the Tabernacle, to this place and to that and they suppose that they are worshipping God whereas they might just as well have gone to see a show. In fact, he's going to a show and nothing more as far as their motive is concerned do not flatter yourselves. If you go to a place of worship merely to look about you or to hear music, you're not worshipping God. 
If you come to his great house to gratify your own fancy, you are no worshipping God, uh, no more worshipping God than you would if you walked in the fields. You're only in a very poor and groveling sense sitting by. That's no comment on the way churches do things. I'm talking about hearts of people that go to different churches. Just turning up. Just observing. You might as well just go for a walk in the park. This is what he's saying. Just sitting by. Let's not, let's not sit by. Let's get in. So if there's any hecklers or haughty here, find joy in being helpless. You know, when I think about it, that man who was paralytic left there walking and praising God. How many people left there with the same paralysis of faith? And they were, they were sitting with Jesus. And they went away exactly the same. So I want to ask us this morning, I'm going to finish here. Are you a hearer, a helper, a helpless, a heckler? Shall we pray? Lord, I just want to thank you for your willingness and your aggressive grace toward us that if we, in our weakness, can come to you and just say, Lord, I need you. Lord, you are there. And Father, what a privilege that we have this morning that we can come. And in that same way, Lord, just in our seats even or whatever it you position us, Lord, that we can say, Lord, will you come now? I need you. I need you to work in my heart by your Holy Spirit. I need you to change me. I need you to forgive me. I need you to wash away the sin in my life and cast it from the, as far as the east is from the west and to remember it no more. And you say, yes, because you've done everything, Lord, for that to happen. Lord, will you cause us to be those that walk away, walking and leaping because of what you've done? Lord, may we go away like those helpers, jumping with joy, Lord, because of their inventive faith. May we be those, maybe that, you know, my imagination goes, they went to find the next friend and said, listen, you've got to come and see this man, Jesus. Lord, help us to be helpers in these days. Yes, Lord. Just want to just let's just give some time just for in the quietness just to allow the Lord to speak to us and confirm things to us. And if you need to pray out, you can pray out. <laughs>